Man. So let's begin there in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 30, a matter of life and death, beginning with God's promises, or yeah, God's promises, and then we'll see man's choices. So it says there in verse 1, Now it came to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. When all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse. Again, the previous chapters, God told them, if you obey, you'll be blessed. If you disobey, you'll be cursed. If you go into the land and you see everything through the eyes of the greatness of your God, and you don't flinch in the face of the enemy, and you're not uh, afraid of the giants in the land, if you don't succumb to the temptation of the idols and the, you know, the uh, temple prostitutes and the, the false gods that are in the land, if you don't run and start worshiping, them. If you run in that direction, you'll, be, you'll deal with the consequences. If you honor God, you'll be blessed. Moses says there in that verse, when. Now it shall come to pass when all these things come. He said, when these things come, the blessing and the cursing. He says in this verse, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that there will be some who will obey and some who will disobey. When this happens, when some of you obey God, you'll be blessed. And when some of you choose to disobey God, you'll reap the consequences of your sin. And it's a sad and tragic truth that most people, I would even say most people exposed to the Word of God, still choose to disobey God. Still choose not to surrender their life to the Lord. So they may dabble with God. They may give Him an hour a week. But guys, the highest form of worship is... It's obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. Guys, if we say we love God in here, but we go out and disobey Him out there, we don't really love Him enough. Amen? We haven't really surrendered our lives to Him. And He says, look, when this happens, it's going to happen. You guys are going into the land of promise. We're days away. You're going to walk in, and some of you are going to stand with God, and you're going to be blessed. And some of you are going to fall into temptation. You're going to, you're going to forget about the Red Sea. You're going to forget about the manna from heaven. You're going to forget about all that God had done. You're going to forget about all the victories, and you're going to make a conscious choice to pursue the flesh and pursue other gods, and the curses will fall. And the sad part is, even for each of us, as believers, isn't it a daily battle with our flesh? Can anybody say amen to that? Have you ever noticed there's times when you, you know, you're so close to the Lord you can hardly stand it? How many guys have experienced that? You're just so close with the Lord, you have the intimate fellowship with God, you know what I mean? And at the same time... If we don't spend time in the Word, if we're not spending time in prayer, if we're not surrounded by believers, if we're not in fellowship, it doesn't take long. And all of a sudden we look up and, man, I'm not as close to God as I used to be. And, when I, and I always tell you, we're as close to God as we want to be. Amen? And if you're not as close to God as you used to be, who moved? Amen. We did. Amen? And so they're going into the land and it's going to be hang on to God and be blessed or... Get caught up in the world and chase after it, and destruction's coming. The consequences are coming. Israel's history is, is fraught with this truth that through disobedience and rebellion, when Israel rebelled against God, what happened? Just read history. They were taken into captivity. They were taken into captivity over and over and over, and it was always because they rebelled against God. They forgot God. They started chasing after other gods. But you know what? When they would cry out to the Lord, 
and they surrendered to the Lord again, He would restore them, and He would bless them, and His hand would be upon them, and then some time would go by, and they'd rebel against God again. And we saw that in Judges, we're going to get to that after Joshua, seven times. It happens over, they get restored, God blesses them, they, and then as soon as their judge dies, their ruler dies, they go back into the world, their lives fall apart, they get taken away in captivity, they cry out to God, He brings another ruler. It happens seven times. In that one book, cycles after cycle. Guys, but that sounds like my life and yours sometimes. Can you say amen to that? Amen. We're walking with the Lord. I'll never do that again. Anybody ever said that before? I will never, ever, ever, ever do that again. And three days later, you're on your face going, Lord, please forgive me. I did it again. Can anybody say amen to that? And and it's because, guys, we need the power of the Holy Spirit for us to walk in obedience. We don't walk in obedience because we just, I I try harder. If that worked, all the New Year's resolutions you ever made would have come true. Instead of none of them ever coming true. Amen? I'm going to do 100 sit-ups and 100 push-ups every day this year. January 3rd. I forgot. I'm tired. There's a game on. Let's go eat some pasta, right? I mean, it's just the things, when we do in our own strength, it fails. But in the Lord, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And he's preparing them as they go into the land. How many times has he told them, if you disobey, it's going to be no good. But if you obey, it's going to be amazing. It's always worth it. Notice he says there at the second half of that verse, You call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. The word call there in Hebrew literally means cause them to return to your heart. Israel was to remember the promises and curses of God even as they were driven into captivity, even as a result of their own disobedience. If they disobeyed God, if they totally blew it, if they found themselves as they would, captured by the Syrians or the Babylonians through Scripture, they were to hearken back to these promises of God. Remember these again. And guys, the same is true for us. If we blow it and we start living in the world, and you know, this is an old term. You'll know I'm old. If you backslide, have you ever heard that term before? Backslider. You know what that means, right? You're on your back sliding back to your old life. And here's the reality. He says, you know, if you backslide, here's the good news. Be reminded of the promises of God because it truly is a million. You can take a hundred steps away, a thousand steps away, or a million steps away. It's one step back. He wants you to come back, and He's reminding them as you're spread out amongst the nations. Is that prophetic or what? That Israel would be spread out amongst the nations. Don't forget the blessings of God. Don't forget the curses that will take place if you disobey God. Remember His promises. Verse 2. And you return to the Lord your God... And obey His voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children with all your heart, with all your soul. He says, look, when you've been driven out, when you've fallen in a ditch, when you've made a conscious choice to disobey God, remember, be mindful of His word, be mindful of His promises, and return to the Lord. I have a couple friends right now that I'm, I'm concerned about. I pray for all the time. Uh, one who I'm very close to, and he, really, he won't even take my phone calls, and that concerns me. Because when they won't take my phone calls, I usually know there's a reason. And I've called and called and called. I've talked to his wife a few times, and he's living in a very dark place because he blew it. He disobeyed God, and consequences are heavy. But he needs to be reminded that it's one step back. Amen? 
And we need to love people enough that when they've made the choice and they've rebelled against God, let's reach out to them and love and let them know. Yeah, there's consequences to the choices you make, but you know what? God will forgive you. Amen? And He wants you to come home. He wants you to come back. And you'll watch people, they'll get in rebe- and they'll just stop being in fellowship. They'll quit hanging out with Christians. They'll just, you know, he moved far away. And that, that's what will happen. Isolation is from the devil. Amen? We don't need to be isolated. We need to be desperate for God. We need to re- and here, here's the question. Look, when you're out in these other nations, when you've been spread out, when you're off in captivity, remember the Lord. Remember his promises. And as he says there in verse 2, and return to the Lord and obey his voice that I command you today with all your heart. It's not too late. Okay, you blew it. Okay, you, you've been caught up in captivity. Guess what? You can still turn back. And if you do, the promises God made you will still apply. God will still take you back. God will, he doesn't disown you. He loves you. you you've, you've walked away. He still wants you to come on home. Amen? And that's the exhortation of verse 2. Israel would often forget God in times of blessing and prosperity, crying out to Him only after being captured, enslaved, or attacked. You know, God would often allow them to get attacked because they would forget Him because they had so much. There's two reasons why people walk away from God. Some walk away from God because they're bummed out uh, about the circumstances of life and they're mad at God. But I think more often people walk away from God because they're so caught up in the world and sometimes they're prosperous in this world and they get so comfortable they cease to be desperate for God. Calabasas, everybody. The land of the $12 ice cream cone. I mean... I went up to get ice cream with a guy after church the other day. I'm like, wow, this must be gold dust on this ice cream cone. I mean, everything's expensive in Calabasas. And this is the land of everybody's got money and everybody's got stuff. And you know what? They don't have peace because they don't know the Prince of Peace. And there's not enough money, there's not enough stuff to give you that peace. But I will say this, that when people are so comfortable, I live in a big house, I've got a lot of money, I don't have any financial worries, that they can become complacent and resting in themselves and cease to be desperate for God. Well, the children of Israel would get that way, and God would say, I have a way to fix that. I'll just bring in an enemy to overthrow you and take away all your stuff and enslave you, and then you'll remember who God is again. And I actually pray for that. Don't get mad at your pastor. But I think we need a little more religious persecution. And I think we need a few more disasters. And I'm not looking for people to die, but enough disasters to maybe wipe out the finances or something. So people will quit being reliant upon themselves and start being desperate for God. Remember 9-11, churches were packed after 9-11 for about three weeks. Everybody was worried, oh no, what's going to happen next? Maybe we're going to drop a bomb on this place. Maybe, the, maybe that tribulation thing they're talking about, maybe this is the beginning of it. We better get to church. And then you get comfortable again. And the Lord is telling them, look, when you're off in captivity, don't forget my promises. And if you will come back to me, I will honor what I... Again, it's if, then. If you respond in obedience to God, then He will bless you. If you respond when He calls you back... He will honor His promises to you. Return, obey, you and your children with all your heart. Notice the word return. The word is repent. Right? You've walked away from God. You're living in the world. You're, you know, maybe you're involved in the temple prostitution in the land. You've got, gone completely sideways. You've walked away from God. He says, but you know what? If you will just turn around and come back to me, I'm waiting for you with open arms and my promises still apply. 
Come on home. And you know what? We need to hear that more often, don't we? And you know what? When you see someone in rebellion, instead of chastising them, pray for them and let them know they can still come home. Amen? Amen? You might be the only person telling them they can still come home. It's not too late. Come on home. The Lord loves you. Again, it's not just to say you're sorry but you're, because you got caught. But God's response to Israel was based on true repentance. And true repentance is always seen not just in a temporary action, but in real obedience. Amen? It's not, it's not repentance when you tell your kid, you tell one of your children to do something, and they go... Like, you know, that's not... Obedience is, yes, Lord. And you do it with the right heart. So promise number one that he's going to make is to gather them back from captivity. Now, this is a big deal because they were in captivity a lot. And when they were in captivity, this would be a great verse for them to know that if I will repent, if I will surrender to the Lord, He'll bring me back out of this mess I'm in and restore me back to Himself. Look what it says in verse 3 and 4. That the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you. From there he will bring you. So the first promise he makes is that when you're in captivity, if you will repent, if you will turn back to God, God will gather you back together he will bring you out of captivity. So sometimes I think people give up. I've done so I teach out at a prison. You guys know that? I used to teach at a maximum security prison. Some of the guys sitting in those chairs think there's no hope. They come thinking, well, this is good for someone else, but you don't know what I've done, Pastor. You don't know what I've done. Saul of Tarsus was out capturing and killing Christians. And he became the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? God is a gracious God, a loving God. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And too often people think, I've, done, I've gone way too far. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And the exhortation here is when you're in captivity, remember, the Lord wants to bring you home. Remember, if you will turn back to Him, He will gather you together. He will rescue you from the place where you've put yourself. Talking to the children of Israel who were in captivity so many times. Matter of fact, they were captive by the Babylonians for 70 years. 70 years. Seven in the Bible, a number of perfection or completion. And what's interesting, they had a 490-year period where they were being blessed, and they refused to honor the Sabbath. So God took all 70 of them in one shot. And they went into Babylonian captivity. And do you know Daniel read the Bible? Daniel knew the word of God. He read Jeremiah, and Jeremiah said they would be captive for 70 years. So what did Daniel do? He got on his knees, and he fasted and prayed as the 70 years was coming to an end. And sure enough, God brought them back out of Babylonian captivity. That's our God. Amen? If they will cry out to God, it's not too late. It doesn't matter what. God is gracious. Some of the consequences may remain, but if you turn around and surrender your life to the Lord, God will restore you. Not long after Daniel started praying, Cyrus made his decree to free the Jews and rebuild the temple 
And he brought them back from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you from the farthest parts. The modern regathering of Israel more accurately fulfills this promise than the return from exile in Babylon. And today Israel is populated with Jewish people from virtually every nation in the world. Do you know 70 years ago there was no Israel? Does that blow your mind? Do you know from... A.D. 70 till 1948, 1878 years, there was no Israel. Israel was gone. And when people would read verses like this, that God's going to gather them back together, they would make it the church instead of Israel, because it seemed impossible that a nation that had been gone for almost 1900 years would become a nation again. Do you know how many times that's happened? That'd be zero except for Israel. Amen? And what's even more amazing is that people 1,900 years without a nation still had, were holding on to their roots as Jewish people and children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God gathered them all back together into Israel. That's fulfillment of this verse right here. That God will gather you back together again. Guess what? There's a bigger gathering coming, and that's going to take place after we've been raptured. And the Jewish, I mean, there's going to be a radical transformation of the children of Israel. There's going to be 144,000, 12,000 each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And my, my people say to me, there's going to be exactly 12,000 each of 12. Yes, because God's word says so. <laughs> oh, you really believe it's going to be exactly, you, couldn't, you don't think that's just, a, no. God says, can God do that? He said light is and light was. Can he gather up 12,000 each? Yes, he can. He's God. Amen. And they're going to be out witnessing and losing their lives. They're going to look on him whom they have pierced. And they're going to recognize him as the Messiah. And they're going to be sold out for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. One of the reasons we're here is this city is over 70% Jewish. God's not done with them. Amen? God, and then again, there's, we have Jewish believers. Pray, and this is a Jewish book written about a Jewish Messiah. In case you've forgotten. Amen? And praise God for that. So today Israel is populated again from every country in the world. And this is in fulfillment. You know, again, these verses speak of their Babylonian captivity. It speaks of their Syrian captivity. But it speaks more of anything of the modern day, what's happened right now. And do you know that God has even used the wickedness of the world to bring about... There would be no Israel were there not for Nazi Germany. Do you know that? Because prior to that... There was a a worldwide hatred for the Jews. And after people found out what the Nazis did to the Jews, God brought compassion upon the hearts of even their greatest enemy to let them have a nation again. God can even take the wicked things of the world to use them for the kingdom of God. Amen? What the Nazis did, horrific. So promise number two. To bring them back to the land that their fathers possessed. So not only did he say, I'm going to gather you back together, but I'm going to bring you back not to a land, but the land. It's interesting. But prior to Israel being reformed as a nation, do you know that the British said that they could have a big portion of Uganda and make it a new Jewish nation? But the Jews said, no. We're not going to Uganda. We're only going back to the place that God gave us in the first place. And guess what? That's exactly where they are today. And guess what? That's the fulfillment of the next verse. Look at verse 5 and 6. 
Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Do you know that Israel is more prosperous today and has more inhabitants today than it ever has had? Fulfilling that verse. Amen? Do you know what? The Israeli, Israel is the size of New Jersey. It's a small, I've been there. I've driven from the north tip of Israel to the southern tip of Israel in a day. It's not a big place. And that's what stops on the way teaching Bible studies. It's not that big a place. But I've told you this before. You look out on Israel and it's lush and it's green. I've told you it's the only nation in the world that can grow every fruit and every vegetable known to man in that little spot. They can grow all the cold weather stuff and all the warm weather stuff. All in one little spot the size of New Jersey. You look out and you see dirt. Oh, that's Jordan. You go down, oh, there's, you know, you go down to Egypt. And, yeah, Egypt is known for being lush, right? <laughs> it's a bunch of dirt. But Israel, God's got his hand on it. And God says in that verse that he's going to gather them back to the land of their fathers. Guess what? That's been fulfilled, hasn't it? And it's going to continue being fulfilled as we go to the end times. There's going to be more of it and more of it. And that little nation arguably has one of the three or four greatest militaries in the world. They're very successful, very wealthy, very technical. That's the grace of God. Amen. Upon that little nation. And God's not done with them yet. The regathering had to happen in the land of Israel. And this is an end time sign that Israel has returned to its land. And again, that ultimate gathering will continue to come. In Matthew 24, it says that the second coming of Christ, and he will send his angels with a great shout of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. It's talking about Israel. And gather them together. He shall prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Again, Israel today as a nation is larger and stronger and richer than any time in its history as far as number of people. And the ultimate fulfillment will come during the millennial kingdom when we will rule and reign with the Lord. And guess where, guess where the capital of the world is going to be? Jerusalem. He's going to make a new Jerusalem. And we're going to rule and reign with him there. Verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. You thought that Paul said that first, probably, didn't you? You thought that was in the New Testament first. That you will love the Lord your God with all, you know, as Jesus said it. As well, Matthew. You know, we think it's in the New Testament. Guess what's right here in Deuteronomy. That God's going to do a work in their heart. Promise number, promise number one was that he was going to gather them back from captivity. Promise number two was he was going to bring them back to the land of their fathers. And promise number three, he was going to reignite their love relationship with, the, with Almighty God. They're going to fall in love with God again. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now again, they did during their captivity. God would bring them back. They would restore their relationship with the Lord. But he's going to reignite their relationship with God again in the future. As remarkable and as prophetically meaningful uh, as a modern regathering of Israel is, it is incomplete. There's a spiritual dimension that needs to be accomplished. When you go to Israel today, it's very secular. Um, there's, there's Orthodox Jewish people, and there's just people that are Jewish by heritage. They're, they're Jewish like I'm Scottish. 
You know what I mean? It's just their heritage. It means, you know, they might observe a feast. I got a lot of coworkers that say, oh, well, we observe this or we do that. But it's really more like people that call themselves Christians and observe Christmas. They really don't have a relationship with the Lord. And that's pretty largely how it is. It's, it, there's some Orthodox Jews that are there, but a lot of it has become very uh, secular in nature. There's a Jewish people apart from the remnant that is to come. They reject Jesus as the Messiah right now. Their hearts are still very hard. But it says in Ezekiel, I will take a heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And Paul promised that all of Israel would be saved in Romans chapter 11. So there's a time coming when there's going to be a revival where... The way Paul terms it, all of Israel gets saved. Praise God. Amen. And that's why we, we stand with Israel. We stand for Israel. Because God's not done with them yet. They're God's chosen people. And again, we too are his children. Again, in, it says there in these verses that God's going to regather them. And that's already started. Guys, we're, you, what else has to happen for Jesus to come back? For the rapture of the church? Nothing. It's all happened. You know, they're already gathering all the implements to rebuild the temple. Right? They're, they're, they've already got the menorah. They're, rebuilt, right? they're, they're rebuilding things so they can rebuild the temple. God's word says that will happen. We know that it'll be rebuilt. And then the Antichrist, three and a half years in, he's going to bring peace for three and a half years. And all the people, you know, he's going to unite all the world's religions together with the false prophet. Who the false prophet will be? I have an idea who I think it might be, but it would, it would probably offend half the people in the room, so I'll just let it go. He wears a white hat sometimes. But, you know, there's gonna be, someone's going to gather all the world's religions together, and they're all going to walk in step together. And guess what? After three and a half years, they're going to realize they've been duped because he's going to go into the temple and he's going to proclaim himself to be the Messiah. It's abomination of desolation. The next three and a half years is going to be the gnarliest judgment upon the earth. And at the end of that, we're going to come back with the Lord and rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. Amen? Looking forward to that. But what's happening here is God's not done with Israel. And God's got a plan. And here we are, all the way back in Deuteronomy. They're just going into that land of promise. And He's letting them know, when you go live there, you need to know that God has a plan for your life. Do you know that God has a plan for every one of our lives in this room? God wants to use us for His kingdom and for His glory. He loves us. He didn't just save you. You know, God, God has a plan for your life that's unique to your life. And He loves you and He puts you in environments and He gives you divine appointments and He's given you spiritual gifts and He wants you to use them. And if you will obey Him, He will bless you. Notice what else it says there in verse 7, along with Him changing their hearts. Praise God for that. He says, also, your God will put... All these curses on your enemies and those who hate you, who persecuted you. Promise number four is to bring curses upon their enemies. God throughout history has protected Israel and defeated their enemies. You know, there is a, a great battle coming, Armageddon. Armageddon. And we know where it's going to take place because the Bible tells us. And I've stood up on Mount Carmel and looked out at it. And they say it's the most natural battlefield in all the world. And what's going to happen is this great war is going to begin to take place. We're going to come back with the Lord, and they're going to turn their weapons on God. It's in the Bible. It's in Revelation. And what's going to happen? They're going to lose. Amen? Amen. 
We're coming back behind Jesus. I'm with him. We're good. Amen. I don't care how many missiles you got, North Korea, all you guys, stack them up. I'm hanging out with the creator of the universe. Amen. Amen. I'll just stick right here behind you, Jesus. I'm good. I'll just come right behind you. Amen. And we're gonna, there's going to be this war that comes. And he's letting them know, look, I will curse your enemies. I will be the one that brings, if they come against God, you plus God is a majority. If God is for me, who can be against me? And we're indestructible until God is through with us. Amen. Amen? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Lord willing, I'm going to be going to Vietnam in, in March to teach. I've done it in India a bunch of times. I've been given an opportunity to go. And it's the underground church. And they say it's against the law in the cities that we're going to go. I love that stuff. Because that just means God's going to show up. Amen. Amen? And people would say, aren't you afraid? No. And we, were, we were in Israel when everybody canceled their Israel trips because bombs were going everywhere. I'm like, dude, if I'm going to get hit by a bomb, I might as well be, you know, in Israel. Shorter trip to heaven. People would say, if you pray to God in Israel, is it better? Well, no, but it's, it's a local call from here, right? And the reality is that we have nothing to fear because we're his kids. And he loves us. And those who come against God's people, if anything comes to us, they have to get through God first. Isn't that good to know? Got to get through God for it gets to me. So if he lets it get to me, he's going to use it to make me more like him. And he's preparing them. Look, as you go into the land, yeah, you're going to face opposition, but I'm with you. And if you obey me, you'll be blessed. But if you listen to them, you're going to be cursed. Guys, he's warning them over and over, preparing them. And sadly, many of them are going to choose to disobey God. And sadly, today, many of us choose to disobey God. It just breaks my heart when I meet people that I know, that I love, that I care about, that I know had great walks with the Lord at one point, and now they've just chose to rebel. And now they're living a life just total rebellion against God. And you look up, and you know they're miserable. And you look at all the people who've been harmed because of the choices that they've made. Man, if we would just read the Bible and obey it. And it doesn't mean we don't sin every day, but the difference is, as Christians, we're not sinless, but we should sin less. Amen? And we should hate our sin. Where before we reveled in it. Oh, we out partying all week. It was great, man. Well, you know, I woke up, didn't know where I was. And I, you know, now you should go, dude, I, I hate that. Love God, hate sin. Amen? Hate it. Because God hates it. He protected Israel. He defeated her enemies. And the ultimate fulfillment is coming in Revelation 16. Those who have aligned themselves with the Antichrist and taken the mark of the beast are going to come against Almighty God. And guess what? In the end, God wins. And we're on His side. Yea, God. Amen? And it says, And you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all His commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all your work of your hand, the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice for you for good as He rejoiced over your fathers. That final promise there is, Not only will he bring curses upon their enemies, but he'll bless the work of their hands and the produce of their hands and multiply their offspring because when we're obedient, God is glorified and we get blessed. I can look at it in my own, you know, extended family. 
you know, and, and they're all sinners, okay? But like, I, I look at my son-in-law, who I just spent a week with at the pastor's conference, and, you know, he and my daughter, far from perfect, but, you know, they honored God. Their first kiss was when I said, you may kiss the bride. You know, they totally honored the Lord, and they've been living sold out for Jesus for 10 years. They've been married, and now he's pastoring two churches in Colorado, and they've got four beautiful sons that, that you know, and it's such a blessing to see when you obey God. Now, have they gone through trials? You guys know their four-year-old son fell out a second-story window, and they didn't know if he was going to live, and he suffered, and they've gone through financial difficulties, and they've gone through trials, but you know what? I've never worried about them one bit because I know they're holding on to Jesus with both hands. And there's no better place to be than that. Amen? And it's such a joy. And then, you know, we have other people in our family, maybe not, who kind of live in rebellion. And those are the ones, man, the consequences just keep coming. And you think, how many are they going to have to have before they go, you know, uncle, I give up God. I'm back. You know? I mean, and the Lord, those who the Lord loves, He disciplines. Amen? And getting disciplined isn't bad. It's one of the best things that can happen. But He's letting them know, look, if you'll obey me, I'm going to bless you. God will bless them richly in the work of their hands, in the produce of their land, in the multiplying of their offspring, if they will just obey. It's, I think all of us right now would say, yeah, I want to obey God 100%. Amen? I want to obey God. I wake up every morning. That's one of my prayers. Lord, help me to walk in the center of your will today. Amen? In the center. I don't want to be off by an inch. I want to be doing what you want me to do. I want to represent you. I want to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help! And he encourages them to let them know as they're about to go into this land. Look what he says in verse 10. If you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to keep his commandment and statutes, which are written in the book of the law, and if you return to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He's saying, look, if you will come back to me when you've fallen away, I will bless you. And my, I will bless your family. I will bless the, everything you put your hands to if you will come back. But he says you have to return to the word of God, the book of the law. Remember a few chapters back, Moses, they put up a, I don't know, a good way to put it, it was like a billboard in a sense, and they literally wrote out the entire book of Deuteronomy on there. And it was put where they would walk by it and be reminded every day what the Word said. And guys, I find this, this is absolutely true. It's a lot easier to obey God's Word when you're reading it. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's like the guy who's driving 80 and he thinks, well, I thought the speed limit was 75. Dude, it's 25 if you knew what the laws were. And guess what? That's no excuse. You're going to jail. And we often do, well, I didn't know. I didn't, I, I just, I'm ignorant of the law. Ignorance is not an excuse to break the law. Amen? And ignorance of the word of God is the reason we're in the mess we're in today. Even in churches today, People are going for a feel-good message, your best life now, and let me tell you a story about yourself, and then every message is the same, and there's no conviction, and no one's a sinner, and no one needs to repent. No, repent! Get right with God! We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Oh, pastor, they won't come back to church next week. God's not called us to draw crowds, but make disciples. And here this exhortation is, look, you can come back. If you remember the Word of God... And the only way we'll ever come back is if we remember the Word of God. Amen? By the way, if you don't know it, we've given away at least a hundred of these Bibles out at the prison that I teach, the Bibles that we have here. 
that you guys paid for by giving to the Lord. And you know, I go back and some of these guys, their Bibles are falling apart because they're in them every single day. You know what's happening? Their lives are changing. I got a really long Facebook. I think I shared this already. I got a really long Facebook thing in Oct- at the end of October. I guess October's Pastor Appreciation Month. I, didn't, I never heard of that. Didn't even know it existed. But I got this saying. He goes, hey, Pastor, just want you to know, best thing that ever happened to me was going to prison and ending up in that Monday night Bible study where I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I got to spend two years being taught the Word of God every week. And now I'm home, and I'm being a, the husband and the father and the man that God wants me to be. And I'm in church, and I've been baptized. And I'm surrendering my life to the Lord. I'm serving as an usher. I'm going down and doing street witnessing. Best thing ever happened to me was going to prison and having Bible study taught on Monday nights. And then all the comments underneath it were from his wife and his kids and his mom and his dad and all the people in his family that said, thank you, Pastor, for preaching the Word of God to my son. Guys, it's the Word of God that changes people. And the Word of God will take a man who's walked away from God and bring him back. A woman who's walked away. Guys, this is what you hear from people that are backslidden. They're not reading their Bible. Amen? Open it. Read it. Obey it. Amen? Our lives will radically change if we'll just read the Bible. So now we've seen God's promises to bless, prosper, protect, to bring back to the land of their fathers, to reignite their love of God, to to curse their enemies. But now he's going to give them the second half, which is man's choices. Man's choices. It's our opportunity and ability to choose between life and good or death and evil. Pick one. Which side do you want to be on? The one that has consequences, the one that breaks hearts, the one that destroys families, the one that destroys homes, the one that separates, or the one that brings restoration, one that brings glory to the God who created us. It says there, first looking at man's choices, Look at that in verse 11. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend from heaven for us to bring it to us, what we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, we will have to go over the sea for us to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. This was one of my dad's life's verses right here. He would say it all the time to people. The word of God is near you. It's in your mouth. It can be in your heart right now. Guys, it's the Word of God that transforms us. He's commanding them and letting them know that you don't have to go... Guys, trying to find out what God wants for your life is not a far trip. Amen? I have a customer. I'm going to be seeing him again next week. He's a very devout Muslim. We've become friends. Uh, He keeps saying he wants to invite my wife and I over to dinner to talk to his oldest son, because um, his oldest son has started courting, and I told him the story about, about uh, my daughter. And he's like, oh, my son needs to hear that from perspective of son. I've got three sons. I need someone with a daughter to come give a perspective on a daughter. And, you know, this is a Muslim guy. You walk into his office, and his whole wall is Mecca. The whole wall. It's a wallpapered Mecca. And I walk in there, and he's a devout Muslim. And he calls me his Christian friend. Oh, my Christian friend. I pick up the phone. Oh, my Christian friend, Pastor Dave. <laughs> and I call, he's my Muslim friend. I'm praying for him. I want to see him saved. I want to see him come to know the true and living God. But you know what? I said, did you make your trip to Mecca? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, and they, they go the great distance and they crawl on their knees to Mecca to somehow get to the place where they get the truth. This verse says it's not far off. The truth isn't far away. You don't have to cross overseas to get it. You don't have to, you know, crawl up some mountain. You don't have to crawl across glass. You don't have to do some radical thing to somehow get to the place where you, you don't have to climb, you know, Mount Everest. Oh, the truth is on the top of Mount Everest. It's going to take five years of training and people die on their way there. No, it's near you, it says. It's right here. The Word of God is right here. The truth is right here. We don't have to go seeking for it. We don't have to... God, you know, I found Jesus. Remember those bumper stickers? I used to say, was he lost? He wasn't lost. I was lost. Amen? Amen? There's no, so people often think, well, there's just some, you know, Bible codes. Oh, yeah, if you take every fifth letter and turn it upside down and give it, you know, a number, and then you multiply it by pi, then it, you know, then it's, just read what you can already read. That's enough. We don't have to try to find something in the Bible that's not there. Let's just read the book we got in our lap. Amen. It's near you, he says. It's not far away. You don't have to sail the seas to find the truth. You don't have to pay a bunch of money to go to a seminar to find the truth. You don't have to find... Just turn to the Lord. Open His Word and ask God to speak to you. And He will. Every single time. God's not hiding. Amen? He's not hiding. He's not far away. You notice that even in the Old Covenant... It took more than belief. There was an action required. You guys remember that? In the Old Covenant, they could believe in God, but what else did they have to do? They had to make sacrifice. Right? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. Amen? So when they would bring the lambs in, or they'd have the different feasts. But when Jesus died on the cross, what did he say? It's finished. What did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus come? Behold the... The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's why we don't have sacrifices anymore. Now again, all those sacrifices were good because they were pointing to the one who was coming. But now that Jesus has died on the cross and he's paid the price in full, guys, there's not 27 steps to God. It's surrender your life to the Lord. But again, it's more than belief. There's a behavior that follows. Just as they believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they still had to make the sacrifices. When God commanded them at the Passover to take the blood of the Lamb in the shape of a cross, if they didn't do it, I can say I believe in God, but belief will, will produce behavior. Amen? And when we believe in God, we say we believe in God, we're not making sacrifices anymore. That's the old covenant. What we're doing is we're obeying Jesus. Amen? And if we really believe, then we will behave. We don't, we don't behave so we'll be saved. We behave because we're saved. We obey God because we're saved, because we trust in Him. And that's what the Word of God is clearly saying here in this text, written thousands of years ago by Moses. The Bible rocks. God wouldn't call us to respond if it was impossible. He calls us to respond and He gives us the ability to do so. God never expected Israel to perfectly obey the law and find, relation, find um, a relationship with God through the law. But he used the law to show us and to show them that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that we need to be redeemed, that we need to be forgiven. I sin every day. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. Sin every day. I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And again, he's saying, who will ascend? 
Oh, I, I got to go up to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. These really wise men up there. I'm going to go up to the top of that. That'll be the answer. When I was in Santa Cruz, a bunch of uh, Tibetan monks came to Santa Cruz, and they were downtown making these sand things. You ever see these sand? Have you ever seen the sand artistry they do? It's practically, it, actually, it actually is pretty amazing. But they're down there making a, a sand thing. And people are down there, and they're ringing, chiming bells, and they're all sitting there making a sand thing, looking at the. And then when they're done, you know what they do? They blow it off. They, they take a wind, whoosh, the whole thing goes away. They, they might spend a week making this thing, and then they blow it off. And everybody's like, oh, that was so spiritual. They were making a puzzle, man. That was nothing spiritual about it. There's no ascending to the thing. There's no crying. Guys, it's Jesus. Amen? He's right here. He's not hiding. Amen? And that's the exhortation here. Is you don't have to go a far distance. You don't have to seek it on some mountain somewhere. You know what? It says God's word, verse 14 again, is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart that you may do it. It's on the tip of your tongue is what it literally means. That's how close confession is to mankind. It's right here. It's right here. It's this close. It's not 47 classes. It's not all these things I need to do. It's recognizing I'm a sinner and just saying, Lord, please forgive me. Amen? I'm so glad. Aren't you glad? Paul quotes from these verses in Romans. This is what my dad used to always quote a lot. It's in Romans. Just turn there later. I mean, you don't need to turn there at all, actually. Um, I'll just give you the verses. I don't like people chasing me around the Bible because you forget where we started. Amen? But it says in Romans 10, verse 6 through 10, But the righteousness of faith speaks this way, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is, bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, bring Christ up from the dead. But what, do we, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What is Paul quoting? Deuteronomy 29. And then he attributes it to Jesus. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. People say, oh, that's just too easy. People that recognize their sinners want it to be difficult to be saved. They want to earn it. That's why there's so many people involved in cults. Oh, that sounds right. I've got to crawl on glass to, yeah, to make up for what I've done. I, you know what? I can't crawl through enough glass to make up for what I've done. How about you? And that's why Jesus came. And it's near you. It's in your mouth. Guys, it's, so, it's confessing him as Savior is the easiest thing we can do. But then following through and surrendering our lives to him is where the rubber really meets the road. While we know right from wrong, we don't always do right. We, the need for sacrifice in the old covenant, again, was pointing to the fact that we're sinners. Guys, the sacrifice was not because of the law. It was because of my flaw. Amen? Because of my sin. Because of your sin. That's why there had to be redemption. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. We need to turn to the Lord right where we are without trying to climb a mountain, not trying to be better, not trying to clean up. Come to God just as you are, and he will forgive you. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Is that pretty blunt? Here it is. I've set it right in front of you. Life and good, death and evil. 
Moses says to them, I've said it right in front of you, life and good, death and evil. Which do you want? Obey God, life and good. Blessing, not free of trial or difficulty, but never being alone. And over here is death and evil. And there's a, the Bible says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking who may devour. He seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I talked to one of my customers yesterday. This guy has a rag-to-riches story. He was in prison 15 years ago. Now he's a multimillionaire, and he called me up to let me know the night before he almost took his life. And I was on the phone talking to him for an hour, and I was weeping with him on the phone, and I love this guy. And my heart breaks for him. He's one of my clients, one of my customers. He calls me Pastor Dave. He's like, Pastor Dave, it's just, what does this all mean? And he's, he goes to church. But he just, his, he and his wife are struggling. He feels disrespected. He's struggling. Because, guys, there's not enough that the world can give you to make you satisfied. You're only, the only way you're ever going to be satisfied is having a right relationship with the Lord. There's no peace anywhere else. Amen? Guys, if you look at the world around you, it's depressing. Amen? You look around, we're killing babies at like that, like nothing. We're slaughtering children, we fight over nothing. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You look around, you can be discouraged. But when you know that God is in control, we don't have to be because God is faithful. Amen? And we can trust Him. And, I want, and let's be about it for His kingdom. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Amen? So He says, I put it right in front of you. Do you want life? And good? Or do you want death and evil? We're getting ready to go into the land of promise. Pick one. Which one do you want? Choose today whom you will serve. Verse 16. And then I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. He's letting them know again, look, guys, when you go into the land, just obey God. Obey His judgments. Obey His statutes. Do what He's commanded you to do, and you're going to be fruitful. Your life is going to be blessed. It's going to be amazing. Or disobey God and go your own way. People often think of the Bible as like a fence. You know, like the Word of God, man, it fences me away from... You know, it's not a fence, it's a guardrail. It keeps me from driving off the road and dying. Amen? Amen? Praise God for the law. It's not something that keeps me from fun. It's something that keeps me from harm. Because God loves me. And He's telling them again. How, if you've been here for the Deuteronomy study, how many times have we heard this same message? It's over and over and, and repeats himself because he knows their days away from it's one thing to believe it's sitting here and it's another thing to live it when you go out there. Amen? You walk out into the world and all of a sudden, here's all the temptation. These guys are leaving to go into land flowing with milk and honey, but also flowing with prostitutes and adultery and fornication and drunkenness and all this stuff and false gods everywhere and idols everywhere and great fortresses and all. And they're going to walk in and go, whoa. And God wants them to remember, don't forget me. Tomorrow when you go to work and, or when you're having a confrontation with a family member at Thanksgiving or something's happening in life, remember the word of God. Amen? That's our foundation. 
Not the opinions of men, the word of God. Let's finish up. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. I think I would have had that like tattooed on my arm. Look what he says. If your hearts turn away so you don't hear and you're drawn away and worship other gods, I announce to you today you're going to die. That's kind of a big deal. Amen? And the sad part is, with this warning, most people are still going to do it. Because our flesh overpowers the spirit in so many people's lives. Why? Because it goes right back to this. They can't obey something they don't read. We've got to spend time in the Word of God so we know the truth. You shall not prolong your days in the land which... The Lord, which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, both you and your descendants, that you and your descendants may live. You know what? God knows what's in front of us, but notice that He tells them to choose life because He cares. Amen? If God cared, why are there so many starving children? You know why there's so many starving children? Because men and women are evil and selfish. Amen? 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 If, we stop, if everybody on the planet stopped being selfish, no one would ever be hungry again. Is that true or not? Is that God's fault or our fault? But we want to blame God. Why do people go around and shoot and kill people? People go around shooting and killing people because they're, they don't know God. Amen? Because they're chasing after the demonic. They're, they're strung out on drugs. All these things that happen. It's the consequences of sinful man, not faithful God, that are causing the problems we have in the world today. By the way, we're going to get to see what the world's like with Jesus in charge for a thousand years. Who's looking forward to that? <laughs> Amen? I mean, no, no, no drive-by shootings then. That's what ain't going to happen. Amen. Guess what? We don't have to try to get rid of Planned Parenthood. No abortions. Amen. There will be those who don't know the God during that time and will be ruling over them. But God's in charge. And so he's exhorting them to choose life. The choice belonged to Israel, but God cared about what they chose. Does God, the Bible says that God desires that none should perish. No, not one. Amen? He would have come to the cross for the most evil person who ever lived for only that person. Because that's our God. Amen? He loves us so much, He'd rather die than live without us. When Moses pled with Israel, crying out to choose life, we know he reflected the heart of God towards Israel. Our choice today, not will I obey or not, but will I trust in Jesus for my standing before God? Have I surrendered my life fully to the Lord? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? See the passion of your life. Do you wake up thinking about Him, spend your day talking to Him, and go to bed at night uh, crying out to Him? Guys, having a relationship with the Lord is not one hour a week or five hours a week. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My, my life's verse is Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what that means? It doesn't mean he's first in my life. It means he's first, tenth, fiftieth, one hundredth, and every number in between. Jesus Christ is my life, and nothing else compares. And you know what? When you make Christ your life, you'll be a better husband, a better wife, a better man, a better woman, a better employee, a better employer, a better citizen, a better person, when you follow Jesus with reckless abandon. Amen? 
God help us. And then he says in that last verse, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he, what does it say? Is your life. That's underlined in my Bible and highlighted. He is your life. He's not part of my life. He is my life. Jesus is my life. And the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. If we love God, we'll obey his voice. A child who loves and trusts his father will obey. If we love God, we'll obey his voice. Even if we don't understand. We trust his character. He may call us to do something that from our perspective makes no sense. We trust God and do it anyway. Amen? If we love God, well, not only will we obey his voice, we'll cling to him. The word literally means to be attached to him, to be desperate for him. Like, I'm never letting go. Lord, it's all about you. It's all about my relationship with you. You're the most important thing in my life. I'm holding on to you with both hands. Sometimes we have to go through trials to get that desperate. And again, he is your life, not part of your life. He is your life. So in summary, a matter of life and death. First of all, it's never too late to get right with God. Amen? The word of God is near you. It's in your mouth. Choose life and blessing or death and cursing. It's up to each and every one of us. And we really make that choice every day. Right now, I'm, I'm transparent. You guys are the midweek crowd. Transparent. We're having some family issues with my siblings right now. And it's ridiculous. And I'm the peacemaker in the middle where I find myself most often. And that's okay. And the sad part to me is we're all Christians. And it's really sad when little stuff, when people get in the flesh and it gets all blown up. It's just tragic, isn't it? And don't you know that grieves the heart of God, doesn't it? And I said to all my siblings, I said, what would the Lord want us to do right now? And then I even said, if dad was still alive, what would dad want us to do right now? Our dad's in heaven. And you know, I think we all need to have that heart and recognize that when we're going, when we're going through difficulty and strife, when there's opposition that we're facing, what would the Lord want us to do? How do we choose to obey him and to honor him? How do we choose to bring glory to his name? And I want to tell you, the only way we're going to do it is if we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and we spend time daily in his word. Amen? So... God has given us promises, but there, many of those promises depend on us obeying. If we obey, if we call on the name of the Lord, then we'll be saved. He's got the promises. We just need to respond. And the good news is that God has given us free will to choose, but he draws us by his Holy Spirit. Choose today whom you serve. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just the, the clarity of this chapter. No beating around the bush. No, no, we don't have to wonder what you were trying to say through Moses to your children as they were getting ready to hand, head into a land filled with temptation. Just really just choose today. Choose life. Choose good in life or choose death and separation. Choose evil and death. And Lord, I just pray for all of us. Help us to live sold out, set apart lives unto you. Help us to be men and women of God who seek first your kingdom and your glory. Help us to remain desperate for you, to cling to you, to confess you, to be unashamed of you. Lord, you hung on a cross for us. I pray we'd stand up boldly for you. So Lord, we love you. We praise you. We, we again lift up our sweet sister Donna. We pray your healing touch upon her right now. May she know your comfort, know your peace. 
Lord, give us divine appointments tomorrow to represent you, to be unashamed of you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand for worship song.